Hi everyone, welcome to STEPS audio channel. We are very excited to share our content from STEPS events to learn all about the latest trends in startups, digital media, fintech, future tech, and wellness in emerging markets. You can find us on Enagami, Spotify, and Apple Podcasts. Make sure to subscribe to your favorite channel and we hope you enjoy the content. The next panel, I feel like a lot of people are going to be seeping through those doors for. It is the present and future of the metaverse. It is a conversation moderated by Kerry Finch from Future Factor. She's going to be coming onto the stage moderating the panel with Carolina Brandeo from Buck, Bei Wang from Straight Fire, and Vincent Gassoub from Nifty Craft. Everyone got their microphones. Is everyone ready to go? Here we go. Please welcome them to the stage. Hello, hello. Thank you so much. We can get more energy than that. Come on. Everybody's come a long way. Thank you. High fives, chest bumps. We want it all. You can send blow kisses if you so wish. High five. My name is indeed Kerry Finch. I'm the founding partner at a communications consultancy called Future Factor and we're based in London, uh, Los Angeles and Amsterdam and we help our clients who are tech innovators, uh, creative businesses and conscious brands, we help them shape and sustain a leadership position. Now I'm joined today by three experts in the worlds of uh, the metaverse, NFT and Web3 so please do welcome uh, Carolina Brandeo. She is is a senior producer at Buck, which is a creative company. And she actually created and produced uh, the world's first fully VR a convention uh, for Facebook Connect, if I'm uh, right in remembering. Bei Wang is an NFT pioneer, uh, and Bei uh, founded, co-founded Straightfire, and we're going to learn a lot more about that as we go. And um, Vincent uh, Gassoub is a gaming in the metaverse expert, and he is the founder of his latest project, which is Nifty Craft. High fives all round, everyone. Let's see some high fives in the air. Come on, high fives. God bless you. Thank you for getting involved. Um, Carolina, if I can start with you. Yes. We were talking previously, what is the metaverse as far as you're concerned? Because people talk about the world in very many different ways. What does it mean to you? It's a hype, right? Um, I think in a very simplified way of putting it is that the metaverse is a virtual and physical space where we can shop, game, and interact socially. What differentiates the metaverse from screens and what we have right now is the more sophisticated use of AR and VR technology, and which is, transports us into an alternate reality. It's difficult to explain, but it's... We're You're there. doing quite well. Bay, right. how can you build on that? Well, I just give a very short uh, build up. <laughs> it's the next generation of the internet. Well, yeah. where we, humanity can experience the real uh, in the digital. And uh, Vincent, as far as you're concerned, what's the difference between, I indeed, is there a difference between the metaverse and, three, and, and Web3? What are we talking about here? Uh, some difference, yes, yeah, some difference. Otherwise, there wouldn't be Does it two really terms. matter? Do we care? Uh, yeah, I think so. Okay, Web we three... should care, everyone. <laughs> yeah, so Web3 is, uh, is sufficiently uh, explained with the blockchain and the true ownership of, uh, of the participants of a network in their network. So they own the network they, or the platform they 
participate in. So whether you're a creator on social media, you own part of Snapchat. If you're a player in a game, you own part of the game. So that is uh, sufficient to explain Web3. Uh, but blockchain is not sufficient to explain the metaverse. The metaverse has, uh, I think, uh, more elements to it, uh, such as 3D hangout places, uh, some technologies whereby uh, really you're, uh, you're presenting your own alter ego in there, in that 3D hangout space. Okay. And Bay, from your perspective, you're coming at it from the world of NFTs and you've created the world's first social dApp. Can you tell us what that is all about and, and what that means? To, to, why should we care? What's that all about? Uh, a first note, we are creating it and the first beta version will launch in the 2Q this year. Um, NFT social dApp, I think uh, just to name dApp, I think for a lot of people it's already quite straightforward, decentralized app. So we are using a lot of apps nowadays, and then dApp is in a Web3 world, it's a dApp. So um, this is something that we are uh, straight fire, we are developing. The idea is to really connecting the real with the metaverse, because I think we, th we think that uh, NFT with real value should have four elements. Those are the scarcity, utility, provenance, and the human emotion. Human emotion that is re really triggered by experience. Like Carolina just mentioned about in the metaverse, like you can shop, you can have uh, parties, you can experience. So what we think is all about social. We are social animals. So I think that's why we're creating this to kind of bring the NFT to the next level. Um, how does that influence uh, brands on, uh, uh, online in the metaverse? How, where, do, where do brands come in? Maybe, um, Carolina, you can talk to that. Yeah, I think, you know, like I said previously, the metaverse is where everyone wants to be, but it's not as simple. I, that's the, question, the answer that I would give to any question regarding where brands belong. They belong where they should be, where their audience is. So you, if you are brands and you want to be part of the metaverse conversation, probably you don't belong there yet. You could. But right now, the brands who are part of the metaverse conversation are found creating the metaverse as we know right now. So what I tell my clients all the time is that it's really not about doing an Instagram filter and then you're in the metaverse. You have to actually belong there. You have to have an understanding. It's it's way more about the strategy with your target audience and your experience throughout rather than just, you know, I'm going to put out something on VR because that's where people seem to be and that's where I need to be. And um, Vincent, what's your perspective on that? I mean, you come from a much more gaming background. How, how does your world fit in with what Bay and, and Carolina are talking about? I mean, from the gaming perspective, uh, uh, and a perspective of uh, you know performance marketing brand is something very actually very alien to us and uh, in terms of advertising space gaming companies are a dominant uh, uh, have a dominant market share and they compete with brands on like uh, advertising market space uh, so actually uh, i my, I think my take is kind of uh, secondary regarding uh, brands, but I do believe that whether a brand or a game or whatever, whatever you are, and you look at the metaverse, you don't need to just rush into it. Consider your own strategy, 
Where is your audience? Who is your audience? What are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? And think about it like any other new paradigm, whether you should be early or late. It uh, doesn't matter. It really depends on your strategy. And Bay, what's your thoughts on that? I want to add something because actually I, as a, as a co-founder of the startup, I'm from traditional brand world. Right. Um, I used to help brands enter different markets. But what we see is comparing with the traditional branding and marketing approach with a very linear, very top-down, with now the technology empowering people to have more interactions, Brand always want to find the touch point with their audience and with their clients. Where there is touch point, they go there. So we see uh, either with a retail in a shopping mall or you go online, you have like online store. And then in the metaverse where, where you play game or where you have those experiences, that's the touch point. So I think brands just have to chase that. But I think it's fascinating because in the past, brands is like so far-fetched and then it's like standing there and waiting for the uh, audience to chase them. But now it's the other way around. I think it's a truly revolutionary. So we, that's a great word, revolutionary. Uh, and brands, of course, always want to, to, to chase the consumers. How can they, from your perspective, Carolina, you come from also a world which is, you know, the, uh, which hasn't necessarily been in the metaverse. You know, we're, it's new for everybody. Uh, we're not uh, metaverse cognoscenti. How are you working with brands and helping them understand opportunity? Are brands getting it right? Are they getting it wrong? What's going on from your world at Buck? Well, um, definitely at Buck, we have a lot of uh, tech clients who are already part of the conversation. So last year, we did a project for Niantic, uh, which is the company that designed Pokemon Go. Um, and we actually created their vision, their illustration of what the metaverse looks like. And what we were discussing earlier as well, it's more about the physical space and how a game like Pokemon Go where you have AR integrates with reality versus other brands that are more f uh, focused on like meta on just a more virtual approach. Um, so we do try to um, help our clients in the best way as possible. So it, it could be that we get like, because of the hype, I, I agree exactly with what Beta said, it's like brands are fighting to be relevant. And where we help, if you look at the fashion industry, for, for instance, you know, and like uh, big brands, they are struggling and they're buying NFT companies because they want to be part of the conversation. They want to stay relevant. And that's where we can help because there is probably a niche. If you, you can be a bank and there's probably some way you can be in the metaverse and how we support them is to do that in a way that it makes sense for their organization, for their future and for the next steps um, as a brand. Bay, did you have something to add there? Yeah, because I think um, what I want to add is like brand to be a brand is because um, they, they have, they build up their certain provenance, their history, their authenticity, their originality. And then it's the creatives that contribute to that. And I think that's why here comes like the, the part of like why we have NFTs, because NFTs like enables the creators to really get benefits from this whole uh, uh, creative uh, value chain process. And can you just explain that a bit more? Because we're not all familiar with NFTs and why it's relevant to us as individuals and why it's relevant to us as brands in the future and, you know, how it fits into the metaverse and Web3. Can you just dive into that a bit more for us? 
Uh, different people have different definition. We read nowadays like there is a lot of uh, cases, user cases. I think a majority is uh, divided into like uh, people think it's NFT, uh, NFT are the digital art or NFTs are digital property. You have a real estate entering selling uh, lands or NFT are collectibles or NFTs are, well, of course, there are discussions saying it's a, uh, it's a scam or it's a hype. Um, but I think what they all got wrong uh, coming from more like either from a tech but also creative or even humanity perspective, NFT is about a smart contract. Okay. Smart contract is about like uh, making sure the ownership and also the authenticity of the creator. So I think this is the part that people should really, really focus on. And that the reason why we are developing this NFT uh, social dev is also we think that um, coming from a, a, a marketeer and, and creative background, we see in the traditional brand building, the brand they build up, their value increase. They sell like really expensive. Why is that? Because maybe fashion contextualization or maybe like luxury brand because of the storytelling. But all these storytellers, creatives, visual artists, uh, like brand interpreters or cultural brokers, and they all contribute to the whole process, but they only get crumbles of this whole process. So now we think that it is time for them to get... It's time. Yeah, like... Uh, that's why we like to use create to, to earn or share so, to earn. I'd love to talk a bit about that, create to earn, but also play to earn, which I know that Vincent, you want to talk about. But when it comes to create to earn, can you lean into that a bit, Carolina, from your world at Buck? Do you have a perspective on that? Yeah, I think, you know, I echo what Bey just said again <laughs> about creatives being really important because I do think, and I because I see them and I work with them, there's a different mindset and you do get a very valuable experience being able to, like we have at Buck, be around so many different clients and very, you know, great clients because that allows you to shape your own vision and your own opinion. So when you get a project that asks you to design the metaverse, you already have your own perspective of that. And when you add that to discussions and conversations with strategy and the client team, that becomes something unique. And that's what dictates, right? And then the market, exactly, the market follows. And how does that, how does that play into your world, Vincent, when it comes to gaming and, and, and nifty craft, for example? So in gaming, uh, how, do, how do NFTs play in gaming? As we said earlier, they represent tokens of ownership in the game. So, practically speaking, games, any games, you know, traditional games have had uh, tons and tons of in-game items, in-game assets, characters, daggers, helmets, whatever, uh, Stuff Pokemon balls. What? Stuff, Stuff you've yeah, got to exactly, pick up. Yeah, exactly, you can equip. So all these are now, uh, uh, when they're on the blockchain, they're truly owned uh, by the player. Now, and when you play a game and you level up and you progress and you win against somebody else, uh, sometimes these items start to have more or less value relative to each other and relative to the perception of other gamers. I'll give you an example how the perception of other gamers uh, plays into this later on. Uh, so when there is this variability uh, in like, the uh, value of such items, there is a chance for skilled players, for wise players, for players who spend time into this universe to actually earn. Uh, let's say I use a pickaxe, to, an axe to chop some wood. 
and uh, uh, you know to chop the wood and I need a ton of wood in the in the game universe right and with my axe I'm gonna need to spend two days to come up with one ton of wood while you need that ton of wood to craft your own hammer right but you don't want to spend two days you'll be uh, that's a lot of sitting that's a well yeah a lot of yeah a lot of time and time is money so but I justify spending two days so that you can pay me for my time and you get that ton of wood so now this transaction which used to be in virtual currency in the past is in a currency that has um, uh, that has that has supply and demand driven prices and so a way to earn uh, in the past in the free to play paradigm uh, we used to go to arabic speakers first and when you when you go to arabic speakers first you end up with um, roughly okay 80 very poor players from north africa and 20 very rich players from saudi and the gulf and that discrepancy in income is is like really pronounced in the mina region i don't know of any other geographic market where the discrepancy of income is uh, so uh, polarized. Uh, so what does this lead to? This used to lead, in our, in our virtual worlds that we had in the free-to-play paradigm, it used to lead to players in Tunisia, in Egypt, spending 12 hours, 13 hours a day, opening hundreds of accounts each. So they nurture their items, they develop their items, they collect their items, they improve their characters, and then sell those things outside of the game uh, jurisdiction to the richer players. So they used to try to earn even in the free-to-play paradigm. So how are decentralized and digital works helping creators? How, how, how is this helping creativity and creators? I mean, who, can, who wants to talk to that? Bay or, or Vincent? Yeah. I'm yeah. interested in... in, 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 in Creator economy? Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. So not all games must have uh, creators. You know, some, some of the in-game items can actually be uh, either uh, procedurally generated by the developer or handcrafted by the developer or created by the users. So uh, depending on like, the game universe, the rules of the game universe, you can have some users, uh, you can allow to have some users create and handcraft their own creations and uh, uh, if they are appreciated by other users in that in that game, you know they're gonna have some value. I earned uh, just yesterday. I earned an item which I was which, but I was surprised to earn it because I created something in a game I play, uh, and it's a big RPG game uh, that uh, I could actually sell for about fifty dollars, uh, and it was a purely cosmetic item. Yeah, and I was surprised that someone would accept to buy a cosmetic uh, item for $50 from me. I didn't sell it. I kept it. So, uh, yeah. so I just want to move on back to, the, back to kind of the more the metaverse because we're going into a fantastic gaming rabbit hole. And I love that you're chopping a lot of wood over a lot of days, but I feel like we need to steer back onto the metaverse course. So I'm going to ask 
Bay. Why do you think NFTs in the metaverse are transforming the creator economy? I think creator economy is a, a word like uh, we hear in the recent years, and there's quite a lot of platform created, like a Fiverr and then the, uh, uh, Patreon, these type of platform in the Web2 world that they... Uh, allowing creatives all over the world to showcase their artwork on it. But the fundamental problem is that is a marketing place that they showcase their work. But with all the financial part and, and negotiations and contract, creatives are not good at it. And also, what you just mentioned, there is also a, a regional and geographic barrier because there's a lot of people from like underrepresented regions that they are super creative. They contribute to the build off of a brand, of a, a concept, or maybe a new design idea. But they are not like uh, in a legal phase, like traditional financial uh, uh, model. They are not able to get paid. So there's a lot of problem there. And another thing I think everybody will understand if you are in the marketing world, we see there's a lot of talk about user-generated content, social media marketing. There are a lot of creators creating stuff on it. And then for Web2, we create content and a lot of people follow me and I build up the story of this brand, but then I'm still renting part of this Web2. So the major difference between Web2 and Web3 is for Web3, we can own it. We own part of it. So I think that is the fundamental. And once you, you are able to own part of it and then you are able to truly get rewarded so how, I mean, and I'll ask any of you, maybe you've all got an opinion, but how do you think the creator economy can transform the metaverse? Where are we going? What's next? Yeah, I Carolina. Think, <laughs> I think hugely to everything that they just said is like basically the common people taking back control of what they're creating and being able to earn money for it. Because the metaverse is a way more um, open platform for people with the sort of knowledge that the big corporations or even, you know, the big companies don't have it yet. It's way too modern. We're talking about a different generation, people even younger than us. Um, that then they're able to create that and exactly to what they said, own it for the first time. And that's going to be a huge change because, you know, it can be like in the gaming universe, like Vincent was saying, but it can also be the design of specific filters, the design of um, games or clothes or digital sneakers, you name it, like it's limitless. So how do we, how do we uh, arm designers and creators of the future to get into gaming, to get into the NFT space, to get into building, you know, VR spaces? What do we, what do, where do we need to go with that? How do we, how do we firstly make uh, the, 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 the space more uh, diverse and inclusive, whether it's regionally uh, um, uh, exclusive or in terms of gender or whatever it might be how do we how do we improve the metaverse so that so that there's more opportunity well i want to uh, echo what uh, carolina just said because uh, at this moment we see there is a major like theme worldwide in the brand world about dni diversity inclusion and uh, diversity equality and inclusion and i think it's I think in a way it's quite forced because the whole concept of design idea, it started with quite a biased idea and it's not localized enough. 
I'm from Asia and I see a lot of um, uh, European brands entering Asian market and trying to retell the story and trying to embrace some local like uh, semiotics and, and science and, and, and like history, but they got it wrong. So then, but then the whole like designers from the local, they are not able to participate from the, 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 the beginning of the important part of this whole process. I think with metaverse uh, and also the like technology like NFT, it gave opportunity for all these underrepresented creatives because those creatives, creatives as fashion designer or uh, a visual designer or even a story writer, they all try to tell a story. I think stories comes from deep in and it has to from their perspective. So it, be, it offers different perspective. And and Carolina, lo do you what's your perspective on this? Yeah, well, I'm from Brazil. Um, and for me, I lived in the U.S. for a long time. Now I live in Europe. So there was always a very clear difference. And when Bay and I were chatting about it, I was like, wow, I feel the same way as you feel about China. People just don't get it. Like, the, the way you position yourself in the metaverse as a brand for North America is completely different than you have to do in other places. Exactly because of that difference in the landscape, in the social you know, demographics and stuff. So exactly, I come from a country that you're not going to sell $7,000 Dior sneakers NFTs online because people are more concerned about you know, what they have to eat on their plate. So that's a conversation that brands need to like get out of their cave, especially you know in the U.S. and also in Europe, and just really understand the world as it is as a whole. And that's how the metaverse and the creators help because it's way more democratic. There's it's way more accessible. And to answer your question from before, we're already there. Like the the people you know who are younger, like Generation Alpha, they are already participating on it. They have way more. So interest. Generation Alpha is from 11 years and under. So the kids, right? Basically, yeah. They, so kids do know best. They do know best. They do understand. And if you, you know, chat with one, uh, you can see that their mind is a completely... We were chatting earlier also with friends. And, you know, we just like privacy, accept, accept. I don't care. I want to be on Facebook. And the kids nowadays like, wait, no, maybe I don't want that. Or maybe no. And then they are also, if you see like platforms like TikTok, and the way they're able to edit their own films, it's something that, you know, three years ago, you need to get an editor. Like, brands used to get editors to do exactly the same as TikTok does. And that's like a teenager doing it. So Or an 11-year-old. Well, yeah, it's, it's frankly scary. Um, Vincent, you've said before that the metaverse that, you know, you talk about or that potentially others talk about is actually 10 to 15 years in, in the future. We're actually not there yet. What do we need to do to get there? What's coming? I think, uh, like, <clears throat> let's not forget that the whole metaverse is based on technologies. And uh, early stages of technologies are uh, very clunky. And if you look at actual meta, you know, metaverse products today, uh, I haven't seen one that has an acceptable user experience. They're really, really bad user experiences and it's normal it's normal with any new technology so I mean there is the people side where you have to be more inclusive and all of that but uh, unless uh, the technology becomes first better and then boring 
after that, you can start, uh, you know, saying that the metaverse will be mainstream. So uh, there was a, a Gardner report uh, a couple uh, launched a couple of days ago, which <laughs> which had a great title, but I don't think it. Uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. It, uh, I think it was saying that in 2025, 25% of the world population will spend at least an hour in the metaverse. Now, I'm a metaverse professional, and I don't buy this. I think by then... Do you think that's too much, too yeah, little? It's too much. It's okay. too much. 25% of the world's population. There will be 6 billion gamers. There will be 6 billion people on the metaverse, but not, in, uh, not each spending an hour in the metaverse every day in 2025. That's happened. That's great. But... Why do I say this? I mean, I'm not just like speculating here. I'm just looking at the state of uh, progress of the actual technology. And it's still very clunky. Some of the best blockchain solutions that you hear of today get congested all of a sudden just by having one game or one DeFi product or right. something that's like, that's, uh, that's trending. Uh, so we're just not there yet. No, no, no. The technology is uh, still not there. We have to work on it. So, I, I wanted, we, we need to wrap up because uh, we could talk all day. Um, uh, but um, what I wanted to ask was, you know, what's your one prediction for the future? Or indeed, what do you think brands or we as individuals need to do to get us there? What's, what's coming? I'd love to hear from you. One thing, very snappily, what's coming? Vincent. <clears throat> I have a one-year-old daughter. And Is she in the metaverse? Well, let me tell Why? you. Why? What's holding she, she her up? She could be. She could be. Okay. So when her... She could be without knowing. When her grandmother visits over and she sees her in the morning, she looks at her and she recognizes her and she plays with her and they smile together and all. But her grandmother doesn't live here, my mom. So she, after, you know, a couple of weeks, she packs and leaves. And when, when she leaves, my daughter doesn't know that she's actually leaving to another country and going to thousands of kilometers away. But the next morning, they get on FaceTime. And, and she, there's she no difference. She thinks it's the same. Right. It's the same. That there's is no fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, so... so <laughs> the technology is here. It's not going to go away. You cannot make a technology disappear. Okay. It's impossible. So your prediction is that they're going to have a beautiful relationship no matter that they're thousands and thousands of miles apart. Bay. I'm also very positive. And actually, I think some of us already live in the metaverse. For example, like my parents, believe it or not, uh, in China, my parents use WeChat and we talk to each other and then they can use WeChat to do everything. So and they are already in their 70s. What I want to say is that um, when internet started, and I think nobody really can give a true definition. And after 20 years, if we ask everyone, a lot of people can't give a definition, but they know they are using internet. I think that is how we are going to deal with metaverse. It's and just going to be like the air we breathe. Yeah, go with flow, and, but also uh, don't get scared because I think... Change is not always about revolution yeah. or something conflicting. It's yeah. also about the ev evolution. So it's evolving. So embrace it. It's already here. Go with the flow. Uh, don't get scared. Carolina. Yeah, I also ended on a positive note. I think we don't have to feel anxious. Oh my God, am I going to be in a VR for five hours a day? No, the same way that you also didn't think you're going to be on your phone for six hours a day, yet here we are. 
Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be just technology hopefully enhancing the physical space and our physical ex experiences. Our physical experiences are never going to go away. We're never not going to see each other. We're never going to lock ourselves in a room. This is just to make it better and make it more approachable. That's great. Embrace the enhancement. I want to thank Carolina, Bay, and Vincent. Thank you, everybody, for having patience, for listening in. Stay curious. Over and out. Thank you for tuning in. We hope you enjoyed the episode. You can find our content on Angami, Spotify, and Apple Podcast. Follow us on social media at Step Conference and let's stay in touch.